If you have your Bibles, would you please turn with me to Daniel chapter 3. And when you go to Daniel chapter 3, put something in there to mark it, and then go then to Exodus chapter 20. So we're going to be in two passages, and we'll start actually with the Exodus 20 passage. But for the message today, we are two chapters in on this series in the book of Daniel, and a lot of attention and a lot of focus has been on Daniel. And we got a little bit of a mention of these three friends, and today we're actually going to shift our attention completely to these three friends of Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and their Babylonian names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And many people believe that between chapter 2 and chapter 3, approximately 15 to 20 years takes place. And so you'll, you'll notice that's important because it, it ends, chapter 2, with this feeling of favor. And King Nebuchadnezzar uh, is, is all about what Daniel and his friends are doing. And then you see this tone shift in chapter 3. And it's important to note the, the span of time that's gone by. Enough time where the king's heart might fade a little bit towards these gentlemen. And so as we get ready to get into the word, I'm going to just ask that we take some time here to pray, to settle our hearts, and get ready to receive from the Lord. So would you pray with me before we begin? Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for this time together in your word. And Father, I pray that you would speak to every heart as we lean in together into the word of God we're wanting to lean in to Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray that you'd speak to us, that you'd guide us, you'd lead us. Thank you for this time. Again, please bless the children's ministry as they lean in to Christ and the Word of God. We thank you for all the people serving. Bless them as they lead. Lord, use this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Exodus 20 here, starting in verse 1. This is kind of a popular chapter. Perhaps you've heard of the Ten Commandments. It's kind of a big deal. But here's the recap here. It says that God gave the people all these instructions. Now, now we're not going to go through all Ten Commandments, but we're going to catch the first couple here. Verse 2, he says, I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt the place of your slavery. Then verse 3. You must not have any other God but me. Then verse 4. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. And you must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. Groundwork laid. These three men 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were Hebrew men. They would have known the Ten Commandments. They would have known the seriousness of not having any other gods but God, capital G. And the seriousness of not making any kind of image and then bowing down and worshiping that image. And then you see as they are serving in the king's court, there's a moment that takes place where they're going to have some conflict. What do we do? This is what God says and this is what the king is saying. And there is tension. So if you're with me in Daniel 3, let's get in here and see what King Nebuchadnezzar is up to. News flash, spoiler alert, it's no good. But it says, King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide, and he set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And then he sent messages to the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial office uh, people to come and to dedicate the statue that he had set up. So all of these officials came and stood before the statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald shouted, People of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn and the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and other musical instruments, bow down to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's statue. And anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whether they're race or nation or language, they bowed to the ground and worshipped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. But some of the astrologers went to the king and informed on the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, Long live the king. You issued a decree requiring that all people would bow down and worship the gold statue when they hear the sound of the musical instruments. We'll just put that in there. Verse 11, the decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown in to a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you've put in charge of the province of Babylon. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refused to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue that you set up. Well, then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage, and he ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. And when they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue that I've set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue that I've made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you 
your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. Tension. It is building. Verse 19. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. And he commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. And then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king, in his anger, had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, Didn't we tie up three men and and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we, we certainly did. He goes, Look, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire unharmed. And the fourth looks like a god. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace, and he shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire, And then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed, and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own. Therefore, I make this decree. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn limb from limb, and their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. There is no other god who can rescue like this. Wow, has his tone changed. Verse 30, then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to even higher positions in the province of Babylon. What a cool chapter, right? That really happened. That's not some made-up story. Thrown into a fiery furnace, walking out unharmed. I want to walk through this chapter section by section, starting with verse 1. The issue, there's this golden idol that King Nebuchadnezzar decides to set up. And it's interesting, what is this golden idol? Is it a statue? Is it an image? We, we don't fully know. I think some people think that it could have been a statue of himself. Uh, it could have been uh, just an image. We, we don't fully know that, but we do know it's something he made out of gold, 
I had a thought about this. I mean, you go last week to his dream and the statue where the head was gold and the head represented Babylon. I wonder if that went to his head and he's like, well, I'm going to make one all of gold and I'm going to set this thing up and people are going to worship it because it represents me and my kingdom. But in the midst of that, it's also possible that he set it up representing one of their false gods, maybe the god that was very popular, Bel, could have been the reason why he created this. You know, whatever the case might be, we know this is wrong. The Bible clearly says that for us today, and it said that for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And as he sets this image up, then he calls all these people in for some corporate worship. And you see that here in verses 2 through 7. He brings them all in for the dedication of this statue. And it says, anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. And then all the people, whatever their race or nation or language, bowed to the ground and worshipped this statue. Now when I see that verse, verse 7, I'm like, that to me feels a little bit like it's worship out of obligation rather than a genuine worship from the heart. This seems more like, are you going to pay allegiance to the king? Or are you going to choose to, to die? And so out of that obligation, all these people begin to bow down, except for some individuals who did have something genuine in their life. And they got ratted out by some stargazing squealers. These astrologers show up and they informed on the Jews. And they're like, oh, by the way, king, they pay no attention to you like we are. When you play that Lion King soundtrack, they're not bowing down <laughs> like we did. You need to do something about this. They refuse to serve you. They refuse to serve and worship this gold statue that you've set up, and it ticks him off. Who are these people that are defying my decree and not bowing down to this amazing statue that I have created? And so, verses 13 through 15, there's a choice. You bow down, or you're going to burn. What are you going to do? The heat is on. And he says, I'll give you one more chance to bow down and worship this statue. But if you refuse, I'm going to throw you into that blazing furnace. And then he asks that question. And, and then what God will be able to save you? Well, one question I had this week going through this, and maybe you've got the same question. Where's Daniel? One thought I had, maybe he's on sabbatical. <laughs> How convenient, right? Just left at the right time. 
There's several theories as to why Daniel's not there. It could be that he was tending to the affairs of King Nebuchadnezzar somewhere else, and so he was not present for this all-call worship service. And perhaps King Nebuchadnezzar maybe even excused Daniel from going to this because he knew Daniel's conviction and he loved Daniel so much because of the success that Daniel would bring him. So it's possible he may have you know, spared Daniel from, from going to this. He could have been away on business. I, I don't know for sure. We don't have anything specific that tells us where he was. But regardless, in this chapter, Daniel gets a pass. He, he does not have to go through this. He gets a pass at least for now. You'll see a little later in the series when things get a little tense for Daniel. But if you go to verses 16 through 18, you see a holy conviction on these three friends. Enough conviction to, to stand in front of this man who your life is in his hands. And this is one of the first things they say here in verse 16. Hey, we don't have to defend ourselves before you. And it's like, well, time out. Can't you see that he's really mad? And that's what you lead off with? They had conviction about their God. And says, if we're thrown into this furnace, the God whom we serve is able to rescue us. And then they say this. But even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow down to that. That's not right. And we're not going to give in. Our convictions are set, no matter the heat that you're putting on us. So in verses 19 through 23, crank it up. Nebuchadnezzar did not like that response. He's so furious, the Bible says his face gets all distorted. And he commands that the furnace be cranked up seven times hotter than usual. So hot that when the soldiers are walking, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over to the furnace, they die. And then it says that they fell in. And then you see this moment where Nebuchadnezzar is like blown away. He's like, there, there's, a, there's another person in that fire. You guys see them walking around? I mean, he was so floored by what he was seeing. And I think of Isaiah 43, 2. When you walk through the fire... You will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Now that verse is for Israel. So some context there. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are a bit of a picture of that verse being played out. They are walking through the fire and they are not getting burned. The flames are not setting them ablaze. It's almost like they've got some holy scotch guard. 
verses 26 through 27. This part blows my mind. They bring them out and they're going, the fire hasn't touched them. Like not even a hair on their head is, is singed. Their clothing's not scorched. And then here's the part that just blows me away. They don't even smell of smoke. How many of you have ever sat at a campfire and it seems like wherever you sit, the wind just picks you, right? And you're annoyed. And the reason why you're annoyed, obviously it's you know, hard to breathe when that's happening, but now you smell like campfire for the rest of the night. I can't even smoke meat without feeling like some of that gets on me. And you walk in the house, and your wife is like, ugh. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> How did they not smell of smoke? The protection of God that was around them is incredible. And it blew the king away, and this king that was mocking their God and, and elevating himself... He gets to a point where I'm like, I can't believe what's coming out of this guy's mouth. It's like kings say, what? In verse 26, he addresses them. He says, servants of the most high God. Wow, that tone changed. Earlier, he made a comment by saying, what God will be able to rescue you? I think he answered his own question. And then, in verse 28, he says, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he testifies about how God rescued his servants that trusted in him. And then at the end of verse 29, There is no other God who can rescue like this, from the king's mouth. He does need to work on a little bit of his evangelism tactic, though. There's a new decree that he gives. If you have anything bad to say about this, God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you're going to be torn limb from limb. Sign him up for the compassion ministry right there. But he was blown away, and he makes this decree. And then you see, we've seen this week one, week two, you see it again in week three. Divine favor that is upon the life of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're now promoted to even higher positions than they held before. Let me talk through some application here, some, some things that we can take from this account, from, from the scriptures, and apply them into our life. And this has shown up the last two weeks. It's going to be here again today. The first point is this. God honors the right decision. They knew what they needed to stand for. The right decision was, we're not going to bow down. And God honored that. And he was with them in the midst of that. He, he was with them when they chose to, to follow certain food restrictions. 
that were following what God had instructed them and God blessed them in that and then they were elevated in position. God honored that. You, you see that when Daniel interprets the dream and how he went right away to the Lord and prayed. We need God to answer our prayers. We need an interpretation to his dream. The right decision was to go to the Lord in prayer and God honored that decision. And God is honoring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's decision to say we are going to stand for God. Second point. Guard your heart. Worship the creator, not creation. And I'm pulling that from Romans 1.23 where it talks about these Gentiles who are beginning to worship the creation rather than the creator. And that's a problem. And that's what's happening here. You know, he, he sets up his own image to, to have these people worshiping that image. And, and now we're, we're worshiping creation rather than the creator. And here's what's interesting. This gold statue is actually fool's gold because that worship will not satisfy. It will leave you empty. And here's a bit of a truth for all of us. We all worship something or someone. Who? What? Very easily, we can also have this worship disorder. We can do the same thing. It would be easy for us to, to walk by that statue and be like, not doing that. That's a simple thing, you know. But the subtle things are when we begin to give our time and attention to these things that begin to crowd out our time and attention to our creator. These things are called idols. It's anything that replaces God in your heart. And, and we begin to worship these things. And it may not be as straightforward as bow down when the music plays. But it can be looked at through the lens of how you're spending all of your focus. Where is your treasure? For Jesus says that is where your heart will be. Guard your heart and worship the creator, not creation. My last point is this. Never forget who's with you in the fire. We know that Nebuchadnezzar stood up and said, there's, there's a fourth. We know that God was present with them in the fire. I also want to draw out the fact, and I, I'm not minimizing the fact that God was with them, but I do think that God gives us people in our life that can stand with us. And what a blessing that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were to one another. And I'm sure they had moments over the next several days and weeks and even later in the years, they might be sitting around having lunch and they get to talking and shooting the breeze and then they, hey man, do you remember when we got thrown in together into the fiery furnace? Wasn't that something? 
What a thing to reminisce about. But they had that together. And I think that there would be times where they would struggle. Again, they were being held captive in another land. And I'm sure they had days where, man, it'd be nice to go back home. But to remind each other in those moments, you remember what God did? Remember how he showed up for us? Do you remember his faithfulness? Never forget who's with you in the fire. Folks, there are times when God will allow us to go through the fire. And I believe it's in the midst of that that he will demonstrate to each and every one of us his faithfulness in the fire. He tells us he'll never leave us. He'll not forsake us. He intercedes for us on our behalf. Even at times when we don't even know what to say. The spirit of God is interceding and praying out the will of God for our lives. God is with us in the fire and he will bring us through. He is faithful. Before we close in in prayer and in this time of response, I'm going to have a bit of a testimony to close. And I want to invite up the Nichols family as they had some things recently that you could say they were going through the fire. And God was with them in that and they're going to testify to the ways in which he showed up. I'm really stepping out of my comfort zone. I was asked just before church if we'd be willing to talk on this, and definitely we want to because um, God is at work, and we want you guys to know that for those that may not. Um, So our story here is Matt went for just a normal checkup, you know, a yearly exam. Uh, We got a phone call that he needed to go and see a urologist. His PSA numbers were a little elevated. Okay, no big deal. We'll go check this out. We go, we see the urologist, um, and you know, the check that she did, from what she could see, everything looked okay. Um, But she's like, well, I can't really see inside, so I'm gonna send you to Waterloo where there's special MRI machines that can look at it and make sure everything's okay. So we go, again, we're thinking nothing of it, like, oh, everything's gonna be okay, no big deal. We go, we have it done. Uh, A couple days later, we get a phone call that there was an abnormal spot on the prostate. Um, It could be cancer, it could not. Um, So they wanted to do a biopsy. Our minds just started going like, oh dear, now what? What are we gonna do if it is? Um, You know, what do we need to plan for? So we started doing some talking just to know kind of what Matt wanted to do if it was cancer. And he was saying that, you know, he thought he wanted to go through if we had to do radiation and chemo. So Wednesday, uh, this last week, we went and we had the biopsy, and um, we were praying about that situation the whole time, that there wouldn't be any complications, no problems from it, that Matt wouldn't be in a lot of discomfort, and really, 
everything went smoothly for that biopsy. Like, he really didn't have a lot of pain. He only needed Tylenol right before we left the hospital. Um, we had had, like, the day before, we were supposed to be there at 12.30, and the day before, not even 24 hours, I get a phone call that they want us there at 5.30 in the morning. So that kind of put me in a pickle because I had to try and find somebody to get my daughter and my nephew to school because I was in charge of them. But, again, God provided and came through, and it all worked out. So... Fast forwarding, I'm going to let Tia, she had actually, and I didn't know about this either until recently, that she had sent a message into Caleb, and was that Friday? That Thursday. Thursday she had messaged Caleb, and I'm going to let her tell you a little, about, a little bit about that. Okay, so I know my mom, and I know I've been in trouble with her a couple of times, but you, I know kids, they get in trouble with their parents sometimes. Um... This past Thursday, uh, on my phone, I got on Caleb, and not realizing this, I didn't know that there was a prayer request that you could send in, so I clicked on it, and I just started going through different people's prayer requests that they were looking at, that I was looking at, and then this thought came through my mind. I'm like, that could be me. I could. I could send in a prayer request. So I sent in their prayer request, and about, I'd say, a day later, there was over 2,000 people that had already prayed, prayed for that request that I sent in. And this request that I sent in was that the test results would all come in well. They wouldn't, it wouldn't be cancerous. It'd just be okay. And I sent in one for my mom because I know she's going through a lot, and after this, my dad's stroke, she's just kind of lost herself, and my dad has too. So I know that's really hard for her, and it's hard for me too. So then I just waited, hoping that the test results would come back. And I'll let my mom finish and tell you the rest, but I just thought I'd like to share that with you guys. So last night's homecoming, and we're getting Tia ready for the homecoming dance, and I had a missed call, and it said it was potential spam. Well, then we're getting ready to take some pictures of her after she got all done, and I see I have a voicemail, so I'm reading it, and instantly my face just dropped because it was the doctor that did Matt's biopsy calling me. Doctors don't call on weekends. So my heart just instantly in my mind, and I guess my facial expression went like Tia knew instantly something was wrong, and I felt bad, but my heart and mind started going to, oh gosh, this is cancer, he's calling us because it's bad, we gotta get in there or something. So I try calling the doctor back, and he must have been on call um, this weekend because the number he gave me that I called was for the urology office, and their office was closed. So I just pressed the button so I could get a hold of the doctor. And when I got a hold of the doctor, finally, he gave us the best news ever. <laughs> you know, because my mind's going, okay, if Matt's got cancer, we've got radiation, chemo, I don't know how it's going to affect him. Am I going to have to stay home with him? If I stay home with him, I'm not working. If I'm not working, I don't have money to pay bills. Like, what am I going to do, God? And I just, I started letting myself think negatively instead of, again, trusting God, because I do trust God. Through this, we knew God had it. We knew he had a plan, even if Matt had cancer. So getting on the phone with the doctor, the doctor said that everything looked good. 
there's no cancer. One of the um, slides that they had looked at showed like some something they didn't really know what it was. So they're just, all we have to do is we have to go every six months and repeat lab work. Praise God, we can do that. So, so God comes through in so many ways, so many ways. Well, thank you guys so much for being willing to share, especially on short notice. But I do believe that as you are testifying here, it's very fitting for what the Lord had us walking through here today. And I want to emphasize something. She said, you know, even if it was cancer, we knew that God had a plan in that. And that same statement that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, but even if God doesn't show up while we're in the furnace, we're going to trust that God's got a plan. And so let that be an encouragement for each and every one of us today. I know last week you guys came up for prayer regarding this specific issue. And as we close this time and go into a response of worship and prayer, I'm going to invite the prayer team to come up, the elders, if you're able to come up, and we're going to pray with people. If there's something that you'd like prayer for, we want to pray for you. Would you pray with me as we get ready for that time? Father, I thank you for this testimony of how you worked for Matt and Catherine and Tia. Lord, we give you thanks for answered prayer. And Lord, I thank you for their resolve that even if it wouldn't have gone the way that it did, they trust that you've got a plan. And Lord, let that be an encouragement for each and every single one of us as we walk through the struggles and the heartaches and the fears and anxieties of of the things we go through, Lord, we can look to you and know that you are with us. And Father, if there's someone listening right now that as they reflect on their own life and consider their ways and the, the question of whether or not you're a reality in their life, if there's something that's happening today in their heart, it's the Spirit of God drawing them into a relationship with Jesus Christ. If they desire that, then I want to encourage them to receive you today. And I ask that individual to pray with me in their heart and just say, Jesus, I need you. I need you in my life. I am a sinner and I need a savior. And so I'm asking for forgiveness of my sin. And I come to you by your grace through faith to receive Jesus Christ. Thank you for this gift of salvation. And thank you that you will walk with me through everything in life. I give you my life today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.